0: You know essentially the data in its raw state doesn't necessarily you know provide that much value it's going to go through a set of kind of combinations and additions and subtractions and transformations and you know functions applied to it and all these things that happen along the way before it gets to a point where it can add some sort of business value. again i like to think of it as sort of a supply chain and you know, data is the, the raw material and it gets you to that end state product that really is a thing that you can derive value from. It provides
1: consistency, right? When you think about data as a product. And just data, by its true nature, right, is meant to be interpreted, right? And you can get different interpretations. That's what really drives the data as a product as well, right? Uh, The fact that you drive more consistency on what that data means for the organization.
2: Well, hey everyone, it's Jeff Deverter, the host of Cloud Talk. Now, as you probably figured out, today it's all about data. Not just data in general, but specifically data engineering. Now, to help have this conversation, I'm joined by Nahar Gupta, the GM of Data Products, as well as Nirmal Ranganathan, a principal architect on the data team, the guy that gets everything done. All right, let's get into this conversation about this most precious asset that some call the soil from which our businesses grow, data.
0: The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps.
2: The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking the sweat. That's really what
0: the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter.
2: Now when we think data engineering, it's all about the systems, the processes, and the tools to take raw data or even curated data sources and getting it to a point where it can be used and analyzed by teams within an organization with a goal of getting value from the data quicker than ever before, which means faster decisions for the business, faster corrections of the data when that's needed, ideally driving revenue faster than ever before. So we'll pick up the conversation with Nirmal, introducing himself and telling us a little bit about a day in the life of a data architect.
1: So, uh, yeah, Nirmal Ranganathan, and uh, I'm principal architect at Rackspace. My title is that, but my roles are varied, right? So I work with everything from uh, product management to working with alliances, working with customers, right, Um, across the board. But across all of that, the commonality is data, right? And really the target is helping customers uh, make better use of the data. Like that's the core focus and everything else drives towards it.
2: So as we talk about data and, and that's the subject for today and the goal is to help customers use it better. We can define what use it better means here in a little bit. You know, I like the fact that you talk about, you mentioned alliances, that means partners. So you don't necessarily do, well, let me ask the question. Do you have an affinity to any of the technologies or hyperscale providers or, you know, where's your focus?
1: I think everybody has has their own strengths. So <laughs> I'd be remiss in saying one is better than the other, right? But um, each each partner, right? Each alliance and each platform, each tool set for that matter, right? Uh, has its own uh, strengths that they bring in. But I think across the board, right, uh, all of them are trying to uh, achieve that final target for that uh, for their customers. It's just how they approach it is varies, right? And I think data is one space that's continuously evolving, right? You feel like you have uh, these hyperscalers uh, nail down everything from an infrastructure perspective and data perspective, and then you have really good upstarts right i mean snowflake is no longer an upstart right but this is other company that uh, that's coming up called Fire, Firebolt, right nihar that we saw today and you still have those opportunities where you have room for these upstarts to come and just disrupt the whole market
2: well it's interesting you know i think your point is is well founded in that the different hyperscale providers or even you know partners you know there are different strengths in each one and I think it's interesting. And I I just just because we work together, I understand that, you know, that's part of the dance that you have is how do you find those characteristics, whether it's capability, in some cases, culture or or technical ability in organizations to have, you know, the right lineup, to have the right technology to then kind of dig into the data. All right. I feel like we're jumping into the deep end pretty quickly here and leaving Nahar sitting in the corner. Uh, Nahar, welcome back to the program. Uh, for, for the folks at home, uh, title, name, rank, and serial number. What do you do here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, so I am the general manager of data services here at Rackspace. Uh, and I've been at Rackspace for eight years and have been focused on data basically the whole time. Um, and excited to be here and talk about data ops and other data related topics. I think, um, You know, the one The as we were talking about sort of hyperscalers and, you know, their solutions and whatnot, I think one important thing to think about is beyond just the tooling and sort of the technology that you see in the market, right? And so to Nirmal's point, you know, the hyperscalers have amazing technology and it's constantly evolving. Um, but the element that, you know, is really important beyond just that is also sort of the, you know, the people in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, the tooling exists, you've got all these upstarts to normal's point, you've got hyperscalers innovating rapidly, but how teams actually take advantage of that technology and ingrain that within the organization, um, I think is super important, and oftentimes overlooked. Um, and if we're not doing that the right way, then we're not getting the full value of some of these kind of newer um, disciplines like data. Ops.
2: You know, I got to say this technology thing was a whole lot easier about 15, 20 years ago when, um, You know, the conversation we seem to always have with customers was how much compute do you need? How much storage do you need in your case for this for the backend database and how much network do we need to have it flow through? But more and more, it doesn't matter what the technology is, is it's always going back to people in the process. You have to look at that trifecta to really get the right match of technology to drive the right outcomes, it seems.
0: Yep. That's exactly right. Um, And, you know, that's why there's, you're seeing such a big um, kind of increase in focus on, you know, data ops, right. And, and really marrying all those things together um, because of that fundamental understanding that it's not enough. It's the same thing that we did with, you know, With DevOps, um, you know, for the last five or 10 years and, you know, it's not enough to just move to the cloud and, you know, that sort of solves all all of, all of, you know, your problems, right? It's how you, it's, it's how you are leveraging those cloud technologies. It's it's the processes, it's the tools, it's the methodologies and frameworks. Um, and it's a discipline around all of that. So we can, we can dive in more to that, but I think there's so much more than just the technology to just kind of underscore that point.
2: Well, and I th- the the phrase I heard a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was fantastic, was was as we we were technologists, we love to focus on the technology, but in the end, the technology is a tool in a tool chest and not a silver bullet. Um, there are no silver bullets in in these scenarios. There are some ways to go faster and better, but um, but not necessarily a silver bullet. All right, you've each used the phrase or the word data ops now. As we moved in the uh, in the late or the two thousands into the, the teens and DevOps started to become a thing, I count about five years from the first time that I heard and understood DevOps. Uh, of about five years of people just using the phrase wrong because they didn't understand what it actually meant. So before we go any farther, we need to do some level setting. Normal. What is what is data ops?
1: Well, first let me say. Why it was called data ops, right? And that really goes back to the point that you mentioned, right? <laughs> One, people not understanding, but then also uh, marketing in what terms pick up, right? I mean, DevOps is really picked up uh, across the industry, and uh, how do you tie data to that, right? Just add data and bring in the DevOps aspect, right? And you got data ops, and therein lies the whole misconception, right? That data ops is just DevOps for data, right? It's not right? It's a part of it, yes. Part of it is um, DevOps, right? All the CI/CD, agile processes and methodologies that you bring in as part of DevOps, but a lot more has to do with uh, around the data as well, right? So managing data quality, governance, right? All those come into play. And then other aspects around, so think of data ops as pulling from multiple disciplines and converging into one, right? So you've got the DevOps covering automation agile and everything. You've got lean manufacturing where quality process controls come into play, right? And then all the collaboration and governance. So those three join to really uh, form what should be data ops. And as we'll go through, right, we'll talk through various misconceptions and how people interpret data ops.
2: Okay, great, great description. And I'll go back to to Nahar. What isn't data ops? If if what data ops is, is what, what Nirmal just said, what isn't it?
0: Well, it kind of goes back to some of what we were just talking about. Like, it's not a single platform, right? It's not a single methodology, right? It's not a single technology. Um, There's no kind of silver bullet answer that you know. You know, if you do this, you have data ops. Um, It's really a collection of all those things that we've been talking about, Um, and I think that's you know the key thing. And if when we think about like you know what is the point of having all this data, like. You know, fundamentally, why, why is data important? It's to extract the value from that data, right? It's to drive better kind of decisions for a company, um, whether it's, you know, understanding your customer better, whether it's finding more efficiencies in your supply chain, but it's ultimately to answer a very difficult question and extract more value, um, you know, for your enterprise. And so the faster and more efficiently you can do that, um, you know, the more effective and differentiating a company is in the market. And so, Everything's in service of that goal, right? How do you maximize the value from data? Well, you do it by using it efficiently, by moving it from its source to, you know, wherever it's going to get consumed, whether it's a BI dashboard or an ML model or whatever. You do that in a you know as efficient a way as possible. And so I think, you know, when we talk about definition, like it's important to think about like the goal, right? And then everything's basically in service of that goal.
2: Well, I would think that, you know, as, as somebody wakes up and they're an IT leader in an organization, they don't one day have the epiphany or somebody doesn't necessarily come knocking on their their virtual door these days and say, you know, what we're lacking is an efficient data ops uh, program. So how does, how does this enter a company? What is that process? Because these things never, rarely, let I me mean, don't say never. Rarely happen as that single solitary event that we wake up in the morning and say, "Today's the day." We lead into it. it; it becomes a process. How does how does that start? Now, normal you you work with customers all the time. In fact, you were you were doing workshops uh, this morning. You were doing them last night. Yep. Uh, how does a company start down this road? Why do they start down this road?
1: Yep. Uh, they start on that road because one, as Neha mentioned, right, getting the right data to the right people at the right time. Is critical for the business right and that's that's really where the true value is and when you're struggling to do that right that's when you start thinking about okay how do i make that better and that's really where things start Um, uh, and the easiest path for most customers to start is by looking at automation right that's one thing that most customers understand right and that's that's really where they start How do we automate things? How do we uh, simplify or uh, reduce cycle times to um, get some of these systems in place, right? So that's the first place. Easier to understand, right? There's not a whole... When I say easier to understand, uh, you're not necessarily having to deal with a whole lot of uh, the data aspects, right? It's a lot of it is infrastructure and existing uh, DevOps practices that they want to bring in, which most companies at this point should say are adopting right you still have a lot of people that still don't know what DevOps is and what agile is right so yeah. those companies are still further down but for most companies right that's a starting that's a good starting point
0: okay yeah and, and okay I, I would also add like you know kind of how do you know when you should be investing here right like it's kind of ultimately the question um and so you know when things are breaking <laughs> very often right when like if your data pipelines are are brittle in nature, if like you you're, you know your data warehousing jobs aren't running the way that you want them to, or you know you make kind of upstream schema changes and that you know you know that you know then creates some sort of downstream impact. Like those types of things, like it's very clear that something is fundamentally broken, right? And I think when you start to recognize those things, then maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a better way for you know moving that data kind of through the enterprise. Um, I would also say you know maybe there's know more visibility that you know enterprises should have into how their data is working right um you know on on one end it's like you know you might have um certain kind of pockets within the company that um have access to that data and you know it's very kind of centralized um and you know very tightly kind of managed um you know asset essentially um on the other hand You've got companies that really do a good job of distributing that data across the company so that, you know, you you really can get data into the hands of, you know, your, you know, your employees to be able to derive value from it. So you've got these two ends of the spectrum. um, And I think, you know, having visibility and kind of the governance and security around, around that and having a good model for what that should look like. Like, where do you want to be on that spectrum as a company? Right. I think you I think companies should have, you know, that. Um, viewpoint, you know, and have that perspective and that should dictate, you know, um, kind of what, what they need, you know, what kind of construct they need, what security and governance they need so they can get to that outcome, but you have to be strategic. about it.
2: So it takes a plan. You really not want to know where you're, where you're going with it and what the outcomes are. So a I, I, bunch of questions that kind of popped up in my head as we were, as you were saying that both of you, and, um, and I think about data ops and I'll go back to, to, a company, let's say, that is young in their their digital transformation career or life in... um and so they're going to think generally about data as in, well, I've got my applications. My applications have underlying databases. I still don't see that connection." And now you start using words like "pipeline." Ah, because we need to distribute this data. Well, we need to distribute this data for a bunch of different reasons. And if we think about that distribution, it in a sense, in, in a company is going to start with, how do we take that data from these application databases and bring it together? And bringing it together means we're, we're thinking data lake or some other type of a repository where it comes together. So there's that first process of ingestion. And then there's that second process of now that I've got it all in one place, how do I strategically make it available? Have I, have I, have I pulled that together in, a, in the most simplistic way possible correctly?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's, yeah, that's a good point that you bring up, right? And uh, oftentimes where customers start with, right, it's really... Applications, right? It's transactional data, transactional workloads, and then from there, your analytics workloads is a lot of times an afterthought, right? But not always, right? That's changing. That's where the whole industry is changing because it used to be an afterthought because data was primarily for business and operational reporting, right? And uh, for the most part, I mean Excel and spreadsheets, right? Like that's what dominated that world, so uh, nobody really cared about it too much, right? But then with just how data is changing, everything we do today, right? Everything and AI ML is really driving some of that, right? You're really starting to see real world applications of that data. And this is where all the pipelines comes into play, right? How do you really make data available for those real world applications? It used to be kind of, uh, what to say, yeah, a, a backend or backroom, uh, or just an inside information, right? Now it's public, right. it's everywhere. Data is everywhere, right? So that's... Change has really, uh, I mean, again, caught some companies off guard, right? And not being able to adapt quickly enough. And others that have uh, adopted it from the get-go, right, are much much ahead.
2: So when a company goes down this road, you know, we've, we've made the point earlier, it's, it is about the tech, but it's also about the people and it's all about the process. And we'll get to the tech in a second, but what are characteristics of, let's start with process, or no, let's start with people. It's always best to start with people. What, what are some of the characteristics of, of capabilities or team structure or, you know, you guys tell me, what what do we look for in people or what do we have to help fix in organizations around people?
1: So there's uh, multiple ways to answer that, right? Um, there's, and as with any of these buzzwords, right, like data ops is still in the hype cycle, right, going up. There's a level of uh, where rubber yep. meets the yep. road. And uh, All the automation DevOps, right, really fit in there. A lot of the data quality and process fit. And then there's, it goes into a lot of philosophical, right? And um, uh, that's where it tends to vary, right? And really where the people piece comes into play is also there, right? Organizationally, what's the best way to organize, right? And you'll see everything from just really large enterprises talking about kind of full uh, data governance councils and uh, center of excellence in groups, right? So you've got this kind of massive uh, project and uh, um, the strategy that they are taking forward to, right? And then you've got the smaller organizations that are more nimble. And I mean, for them, when you, when you have say 20, 30 people working on it, right? A full council and things don't make a lot of uh, sense and don't provide a lot of value. So uh, I think a lot of um, how you look at it from an organizational perspective is also What goal is it solving for you, right? And just how disjointed an organization is. If you have an organization that's really large, really disjointed, having a structure where you have more of that uh, governance and council structures, right, really makes sense because you really need to pull things together uh, and have a more uh, uniform way to do that. In smaller organizations where you're more nimble, right, uh, you don't necessarily have to go that full-blown, right, but still have a strategy, a set of operations, set of principles in place that everybody's able to follow. So that those are more lean teams, right? Versus more kind of organizationally driven people structures.
0: Well, I was, I was going to add to that. I think, you know, we, we are getting to the point where because this is becoming increasingly important, again, because of all the complexities of data and, you know, volumes increasing and, you know, coming in faster than ever. And, you know, all those things that we know, the three Vs of data. I think this is becoming increasingly important. So you're starting to see more, kind of focused teams working on things like data ops, right? Like, as opposed to kind of a shared responsibility or, you know, sort of, you know, um, somebody not having necessarily that particular role, but they're performing some of those responsibilities. Um, you're, uh, you know, starting to see kind of like, you know, think about a DevOps engineer today. Like it's, you know, everywhere, right? Like every every tech company has um, DevOps engineers. It wasn't like that, you know, you know, maybe like eight, 10 years ago. Um, And I don't think we're there with data ops, but I am starting to see more of that particular kind of role of like dedicated data ops engineers um, and and kind of teams of, of engineers that are focused on those tasks.
2: Well, and as you talk about the or whether it's very organizationally driven or more nimble, I mean, that's where the chief data officer, you know, when that when when it gets official, that's when that type of a person starts to show up. And transparency, that's that's where we are at Rackspace. We've really gotten serious about our data here. And one of the things that that our chief data officer, Juan Rioja, says, is that now we're treating data like a product. And I always thought that was a great way to refer to it because that means, you know, the stuff that we thought that just lived in a database that was part of an application isn't just something that sits in a database, but we're going to take it seriously. Like we would take the evolution of a product uh, that we might provide to our customers very, very seriously. Uh, And I thought I thought that was a great way to refer to it. And it means we're going to take all aspects of it uh, from from where it's it's created all the way through those pipelines and, and it's where it's consumed, anywhere it's consumed
0: it is and you know if i can extend that analogy it's it's a product you know i call it an asset earlier it's almost like a raw material right mm-hmm. um and you know you think about you were talking asking about pipelines earlier and we we said that word several times but you know essentially the data you know in its raw state doesn't necessarily you know provide that much value it's going to go through a set of kind of combinations and additions and subtractions and transformations and you know functions applied to it and all these things that happen along the way before it gets to a point where it can add some sort of business value, right? Um, and so, you know, again, I like to think of it as sort of a supply chain and, you know, data is the, the raw material and it gets you to that end-state product that really is a thing that you can derive value from.
1: And I want to just add on to that, right? I mean, that's a good point. And the way to think about it is also it provides consistency, right? When you think of a data as a product and just da- data by its true nature, right, is meant to be interpreted, right? And you can get different interpretations. And that's what really drives the data as a product as well, right? Everything that Niha mentioned, but also uh, the fact that you drive more consistency on what that data means for the organization.
2: Yeah. And I always get really excited when a, a new data project comes along and, the, and the, the data team gets together and maybe a couple of business people and they think, well, well what questions do we want to ask of the data. And so that really informs, you know, what the sources are, how it gets enriched, how it gets, you know, cleaned up. And then they get that data and then they ask the questions and they get answers that spark a hundred other questions. And that's when you see that product, that raw material. I love that's better than calling it a product, a raw material, really getting exploited well inside of an organization. And that's because now they're getting value out of something. That they were was literally underneath their feet the entire time, but because it's been cleaned up, because it's been combined, because it's been enriched, now you can really ask some important business-changing questions of that data.
1: What I add to that, right, is and tie in data ops to it. So when end users get that one question, you're thinking they come up, they come up with hundred questions, right? In a pre data ops world. Now that hundred questions means another six months or a year of development, right? In a data ops world, that should be a week or two of development or additional input, right, to get them to be able to answer those questions quickly. And uh, that's a really good kind of segment how data ops fits in, right? It's going to make the organizations kind of more nimble in how they use and manipulate data, right? This is where all the tooling, automation, processes all come into play, right? So that you're not spending a lot of time in developing an in product right and then going all the way back uh in more of that waterfall method and starting all the way in the next, next six months of development right you're eye uh, trading over changes you're getting more input you're getting more questions you're able to quickly answer them
2: what a great way to to draw the value into it uh okay so let's um so let's talk about how uh, some of the tech that gets involved in here what what are we what are we talking about for for data ops whether we're looking at Pure play providers. Whether we're looking at the hyperscalers, what's what's some of the tech we talk about in data ops?
1: So one of the things, and um, you'll see, is uh, just a lot of existing uh, tooling being pulled into it, right? So there's not necessarily uh, anything that would be net new that would help drive data ops forward, right? So it's usually a, kind of a, a suite of tools, right, that come into play. So if you want to start from automation, right, your standard infrastructure. Level automation tool sets, right? Those come into play. When you're talking about CI CD, right? Your Jenkins or Circle CI comes into play, right? Those are still valid in a data ops world. And then from more of that DevOps automation tooling, then you start moving into the actual data aspects, right? Orchestrating the data, getting that data moved together, right? And you've got some existing tools, but what a lot of the existing tools misses is managing the life cycle of data so the when i say existing tools say five ten years back right uh, those tools would still move the data but really managing change right and having them having all these pipelines checked in as code that you can manage and move csd that didn't exist right so you're seeing some of those older tool providers adapt to it and you'll see a lot of hey we support data ops," right has come out of that And then you've got some of uh, new breed uh, tools that are coming into play uh, where they're building that natively, right? So just as an example, an open source tool, right? Get GBT. Again, that's one out of a many set of tools, right? Where that really helps you uh, manage that uh, change data process, right? So whenever your schemas are changing and evolving, uh, that tool sets help helps you, uh, again, have your schemas checked in and things like that. And... Uh, evolve that process and also integrate that with uh, the pipeline process, right? Because data is continuously flowing and your schema is kind of changing in the fly, right? You oftentimes, you find out after things break in the old world, right? Now we're actually adapting to change from the source systems. So a lot of tools are being uh, built and evolved to really support uh, that, right? Because again, it goes back to the point of there's no real value there, right? It's all just kind of grunt work, getting things in place. So more automation, the better, right? And you actually focus on high value items.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what I would add is, um, I, I think you're that's spot on, Normal. Like even all the hyperscalers, like you're seeing more and more of them building tooling that solves for, you know, some of the challenges that we've talked about. Um, and a lot of this stuff is like kind of early, you know, stage. Um, I think Microsoft just, you know, announced something recently um, called Purview, if I remember right. And, you know, basically it's like, you know, data governance um, type solutions, better visibility into your data, you know, kind of that metadata management, um, understanding kind of what your data is doing as it, you know, goes through all these um, sort of, you know, through these complex pipelines. Um, so you get that kind of, you know, data lineage view. Um, we're seeing more and more because of the demand for it. Right? We're seeing more of the hyperscalers kind of innovate in this area.
1: And then you'll also see some of the small players. Kind of uh, start into niche areas right i mean we had this whole uh monitoring and apm evolution over the last 10 years right just like nothing existed and then now there's just so many other companies right And it seems like monitoring never ends right <laughs> even though you've had monitoring tools all along like there's always a new monitoring tool and so the same goes with data right so uh, but here it's monitoring around kind of observability and uh, understanding patterns with data, right? As opposed to infrastructure monitoring. So that's still kind of less explored areas and you're starting to see more tools come out on that. Data quality is another aspect, right? Where you're starting to see more uh, uh, fo- tools focused on data quality come out. And a lot of that is also the legacy providers, right? Really kind of bundled all that as part of like a whole data governance package, And it's really not necessarily in that way, right? So um, you're seeing tools come out in in, in that area. And then you're also seeing uh, a lot more focus on uh, security, right? Which is a good part of it. And uh, uh, again, compliance and all that, right? So how do you tie that into data? A good example is um, uh, Google's DLP service, right? And even with what's available in Purview, being able to uh, automatically uh, scan, right? and provide classifications of data as they come in. So one, you're aware of data that's coming in, it's already pre-classified for you, right? And you're able to take actions based on that. And you can actually write custom rules, but uh, also do all the things that you need from a data production perspective, right? Everything from tokenization, masking of that data. So a whole set of tools evolving like across the board, right? To support that full lifecycle.
2: So when we think about all the things that are hard in doing this, because we know that data is hard, um, what's the hardest part in this context? When we think about data ops, what's the hard? What? Not that anything's easy. Um, where, where are the hard parts?
1: Yeah, you're right. I think the hard, the hardest part, right, is uh, the the process and the people as well. Right, one is adaption adapting to these changes, uh, and people are not adapting as quickly. Right, so. Folks that have been uh, ingrained in analytics for a long time, right? They're not necessarily used to software development mm-hmm. uh, kind of principles and DevOps, and it's a mindset change for them, right? In moving from what they used to to where they need to be. Would you say so that's, that's
2: Would you say that's kind of similar when we think about traditional systems administrators today and their need to become uh, more ingrained in the software aspect of 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 system management, in other words, getting into their aspect of the DevOps world.
1: That's a good correlation when you're talking about uh, folks that have been involved in more of, I don't want to say legacy, right? But Kind of traditional analytics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that group of people come from that mindset and it's a, it's a huge change. And then you have folks that are coming from, I don't want to say big data world but people that have evolved through that big data changes right where they've used those big data systems they have more of that software development mindset and they are much more easy to kind of adapt to these data uh, data ops uh, principles and kind of they understand automation they understand uh, all these changes how you capture them right so you've got two sets of people um, at least from a technology layer right uh, that are coming from two different angles and uh, or two different really different worlds right? And kind of meeting together. So that's one challenge. And then just the bigger challenge is just organizational challenge, right? Like across the board. Unless uh, in some of these cases, right? Sure, there's certain things that can be done at the lower levels, right? Uh, but a lot of it requires more uh, an organizational purview. And that's, that's one of the bigger challenges with uh, most companies, right? Getting that organizational buy-in.
0: Yeah, I'll echo that. I mean, I think it's um, that, that like the technology part, again, you know, you've, you've heard this, you've heard me talk about this and it's kind of a theme, like that part can be solved. There's a lot of really good solutions out there. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, we don't have a hard time kind of putting together those solutions, you know, those different technologies into a solution, right? Packaging them up and whatnot. And, and but the organizational inertia is the thing that, you know, holds companies back. If you don't get widespread adoption across the company, if you don't get buy-in, on the set of tools that are chosen, right, then you kind of go back into that sort of, you know, that model of like having data silos within, you know, across the organization with potentially different sets of tools that these different silos are using. Um, and, you know, you don't have a consistent view across the entire organization into that data. So then, you know, instead of trying to solve for it through like well-defined, you know, data governance um, in lineage that spreads across the entire organization, you've got sort of this, you know, these, uh, the silo problem. Again. And so if you can really not just, you know, figure out what, identify what the, the right tools are to use, but then also get the organizational buy-in into using those. And then also the right processes behind it, you actually can get to a state of like being able to drive value from your data much faster, innovate much more quickly, um, than you otherwise could.
2: Well, and how about so much uh, in tech is finding the right people? How much of a skills gap exists in organizations or is this an easy thing to retool for? There's,
1: I don't want to say a significant skills gap, right? But there's still a huge gap. And in, in a lot of it ties to kind of the earlier points I made about uh, people that are working on these analytics environment, right? On where they come from, uh, depending on where they come from, uh, you you either have a smaller gap to fill, right? And those are more kind of technology focused. Um, and then on the other end, kind of a wider spectrum, right? Where it's, there's a big technology gap to fill, but then also kind of the process and cultural gap to fill as well. So I'd, I'd say for most organizations, right? I mean, there's a, a good enough gap where getting external help, right? Uh, and really accelerating the path is probably a recommend, given, yeah, we, Rackspace are saying that, but... I truly believe, like that's what would help them accelerate much more quickly.
2: All right, so so paint paint the picture. What does an organization look like that does this right? What are what are their benefits? You sort of touched on this in the beginning, but I think it bears repeating.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if an organization is able, like if they've got a quickly functioning sort of, um, let's say, like um, you know, MLops type model, right? Using another kind mm-hmm. of ops, ops-oriented buzzword, DevOps, MLops, DevOps, but essentially the ability to you know to crank out machine learning models quickly, um, you know if, if they can get answers to their questions quickly, um, as opposed to having to you know you know put it into a queue and have some central team kind of you know um, you know put put it in their backlog and have it have that question answered in six months, um, you know if you can see how your organization is using the data, like you can you know you understand kind of. When a certain individual accesses data, or making sure that individuals don't have access to certain kinds of sensitive data, um, or understanding exactly the path of that data and all the transformations that that data takes, right? If you have that sort of view into your data, and you have the efficiency of being able to quickly answer questions about your business, you know, through that data, um, or quickly build new machine learning models, then I think, you know, I think you're doing it right. That means you figured out how to how to monetize and how to
1: how to get value from that data quickly yep i mean definitely echo what Neha said there, right and but think about it there's very few companies that actually have pulled it off right there's yeah. a lot of companies that are almost there right they're able to do that uh, granted not as efficiently as it'd be but this there's, there's a few set of companies that have really pulled it off right and uh, uh I, I just want to uh call out like microsoft in this case right like they've really got this nailed down, and when you say Microsoft like as an organization right like look at what they're like two hundred k three hundred k uh people right huge organization what like fifty sixty different business units and being able to be able to answer any of those data questions right uh pulling data from across again all these organizations uh, like that's a huge challenge right so again more, a lot of these hyperscalers and larger companies do have it right but uh, that's a good example of one that's been able to really pull this all together.
2: Well, and I think it, it it also calls out the fact that like so much of where we are in transformation with, with the technologies that exist today is there really isn't a, a final destination. In the old days, again, I, I led with this in the beginning. It was so easy. Uh, we're upgrading from VMware X to VMware Y from, you know, from, from, uh, x86 processors to something else. You know, it was it was an easy thing, and then we went about our businesses. But now it's an evolution; it's a process because now we're focused on on data ops as an extension of where we were with with DevOps. But there's a, there's another thing, you know, around the next corner that's going to challenge us and push us, and ultimately, ideally, enable us as an organization. So much we didn't cover security of the data, compliance of the data, governance of the data. I think we're coming back for another conversation, gentlemen.
1: Absolutely. I'll also throw in that last point, right? Like all those uh, ops, right? <laughs> There's also the term XOps getting introduced. I think people have gone tired of <laughs> adding in too many ops words, right?
0: So let's just call it XOps ops and yeah, all like everything. Cetera, else. Right? There you go. Just kind of funnel everything in there. Yeah.
2: Anything scriptable and let's script the entire <laughs> business. Exactly. Well, Nirmal and Nahar, thank you so much for being a part of the program today. This was a, a great conversation, and I again really believe we just scratched the surface. So uh, look for another invite to come back to Cloud Talk.
0: This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts, and be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com.
2: Well, a huge thanks to Nirmal and Nihar for being a part of the program today. Now, where's your company in the data maturity and ops evolution? Leave us a comment wherever you download your podcasts or you can send an email to cloudtalk at rackspace.com. Well, now, if you haven't subscribed yet, well, you know what to do. Head over to wherever you find your podcasts and click the subscribe button. Now, a quick reminder that on August 3rd and 4th of this year, we'll be hosting a live Solve conference, talking about all of the tech that can make a difference in your business today. I'll have a sign-up form for you in the next week or two, but for now, mark your calendars. And lastly, a big thanks to Dell Technologies for sponsoring everything that we do here at Rackspace Solve. Now, until next week, this is Jeff DeVerter for clown talk.